fortunately as, as players you can only focus on what you are there to do mm. um, which is play and make sure that you perform um, because once you start becoming part of that agenda then it could either sideline you or you can get not selected mm-hmm. yeah. so you have to play very carefully Hello everyone, welcome to a special edition of Maintain the Design Sports. We finally got a real guest in here, okay? <laughs> Not just some some scrub, which is what uh, Tito calls me when I guest on his podcast. <laughs> we have a friend of mine, one of the coolest guys and most chill guys I've ever met. Barring he did have a little diva moment just now, but we'll forget about that. Akona Indongani, how are you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Um, just the diva moment was a bit. Uh, it got you. It got me. <laughs> but it's okay. But I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I flagged it. Life is we good. live and we learn, you know? Yeah, life is good. Um, good to be here. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Oh, 100%. Thank you for being here, man. It's, it was a mission to get you here because you play golf 85 times a week. Well, What's up with that, man? Sometimes if your cameraman decides to pull out, yeah. then you can't blame that on me. What do you mean my cameraman pulled well, out? Well, you said you wanted to, sh- to shift this to tomorrow or something. Yeah. Or next week. Yeah. Because you couldn't get uh, Tito to come or your camera guy to come. Akona, don't, so, don't, do not put the blame on me, okay? okay. I put the blame on Gary Player. <laughs> <laughs> on on Titleist to sponsoring you, all of Uncle these people. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, uh, it was just the timing. Yeah, but finally we got to sit down. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, yeah. and um, we also uh, <laughs> I didn't introduce Tito. Tito's here as well, man. What's happening, guys? Uh, Connor, how you been? Have you been watching the World Cup? Soccer. I think that's the biggest, yeah, the biggest yes, sporting uh, event happening um, right now. I've caught a glimpse of some games. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, also been reading about it, catching the highlights. Mm. Um, interesting World Cup. Interesting yeah, it is very much so. Uh, but it just shows you how much, um, you know, sport among smaller countries, actually how much it's grown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the upsets, you know, Japan beating Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just to, and, um, you know, the so big countries also dominating. So, yeah, it's been a very interesting World Cup and, you know, the quality has been good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we spoke about it before about, obviously, there's this politics around it, but we spoke about how the World Cup going to different regions of the world is actually going to grow sports and make it more competitive, which is, I think, what we're seeing now. Yes. And I think that'll that'll continue happening if it actually gets... There's politics, but I think if it keeps going to different regions yes. of the world, I think it will carry on growing and getting more competitive. And, and I'm for that as well, um, because, you know, they call it a beautiful game mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everyone should have access to it. Yeah. Yes. Qatar has got its own politics, uh, but you know, for us that love sport, yeah, um, it's nice to see the packed stadiums. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and I think you know, for the guys that are there, they enjoying themselves. Yes, um, it's the World Cup at the end. Yeah, um, and big teams are there, big players are there, so that's what you want to see. Mm. Yeah, corner yeah. name one player who has played for a Middle Eastern country ever in history. Why must you do that now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm he not, likes I'm doing this. I said you are now for the game. <laughs> he likes doing this. He likes doing this. Thing. Okay, you name one player. I don't know anyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> World Cup should have been in South Africa, dude. No, we've had our, our World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So which was nice. I think yeah. it should, should come back to Africa. Not definitely. Not definitely not South Africa, but like another African country one yeah. more time. Um, look, I'll, I'll tell you. Tito and I through the podcast. We went to go watch a Chiefs Paris game. Nice. We sat in the crowd. Nice. Got the authentic experience. I hated it, bro. Why? It was so scary. <laughs> Why is it? It was so scary, dude. Why bro, we were trying to interview guy. someone. I don't even know what this guy was saying. He basically said, you know, get the hell out of here. Kind of thing. Nah, you didn't say that. Yeah, you did. This guy was just How was your approach, though, to the guy? No, I was, hey, man, you want to be on the podcast? Was he a pirate or a chief supporter? It was a pirate supporter. Pirates. And I was right. wearing a pirate shirt, man. No, but is that, is that not the game that chiefs won? Yes. Uh, yes f- I think it was the first one. The first time. Yeah, 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 but then Tito went to the box for okay. the 
was the MTN8? Uh, Colin Black Label Colin Black Label It was two Black. weeks later yeah. He said it was a completely different experience Being on the stand in the being, box Being in the yeah. stand in the box Yeah, obviously I think um, I've never been on the stand For the Soweto Derby mm-hmm. um, But obviously it's different there Yeah um, But it, I, I can imagine It must be nice being on the stands Because obviously you get the you know, the atmosphere, the, the atmosphere, essence, the feeling uh, of what it's about, yeah. The, the energy from the fans, um, but you know, um, yeah. I think you just didn't approach the guy in the nice way. <laughs> Probably not. But yeah. I'll tell you this: <laughs> that's you. The, atmo- <laughs> <laughs> the atmosphere was out of this world. I've never, I've never seen a stadium yeah. that loud. Yeah. Um, once we were sitting down, like it took a while for us to get sitting down. You know, this like you, you don't book an actual seat. You just basically have a ticket and you just got to find a seat somewhere. Yeah. So uh, once we did get settled down, it was absolutely crazy. Mm. Absolutely crazy. It was something to behold. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but basically, yeah. I think what I'm, what I'm getting at is that, you know, different cultures have different ways of expressing their love of football. Mm-hmm. Guitar has nothing. Dude. They have to literally hire people to, to be in their stadiums. So how can you not uh, have a, a World Cup in a place that actually doesn't love soccer when you can see the passion in a country that maybe does? Well, for me, I, I think it's the same thing that you and I said. It's the politics. And I can't say that those fans were hired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just see fans cheering for their teams, wearing their jerseys, um, you know, shouting for their players. And, and I think for me, at the end of the day, that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, 80,000 people might be hired but we don't know that for a fact yeah you know? yeah um, and what we see on tv is it's a great spectacle and that's what the world cup is about and um i think they're talking about being at the most viewed world cup in the world i mean yeah. ever um so which is something nice and i think you know the games that, yeah. uh, that we've seen you know it's, it's it's making it interesting for people to come and watch because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. Like now, Ghana needs to beat I don't know, I think uh, in their last game, mm-hmm. or they just need to draw with Uruguay yeah. to qualify. You know, so those are exciting things about the World Cup, and um, for me, it's that's all it's about. Yeah. yeah, just the sport, the game, the goals about yeah. the fans, and yeah, it's nice to see yeah. the pet stadiums. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And as as a former athlete. Um, I'm not too sure what the political climate was like when you were still playing, but how do you deal with like people pushing their political agendas onto you as an athlete? When you may not necessarily be... You might have your opinions on certain things, but you might just be there to play the sport and do the job that you're there to do. So when there are like external influences or people trying to push an agenda, how do you, how do you cope with that kind of stuff? Cause well, you try and uh, ignore it as much as you can. Um, but sometimes you cannot completely ignore it. Mm-hmm. You you're so right there in the sense that you know you it's a it's a especially in our country. Yeah, you know, politics are part of the game, um, and you get people trying to push their own agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think unfortunately, as as players, you can only focus on what you are there to do, mm. um, which is play and make sure that you perform. Um, because once you start becoming part of that agenda, then it could either sideline you or you can get not selected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to try very carefully. Um, and it's unfortunate because, you know, there will be times where players want to raise something that they're not comfortable about. Yeah. But, um, and that also depends on which ears it falls on, you know. Um, and unfortunately, in this country, we diverse, um, we have different cultures. So you need to be very careful in how you face things mm-hmm. um, and what you say. Um, so, so it is part of, you know, the life that we live, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you just have to, you know, grow a thick skin and just not to worry about it, and just try and focus on that four lines and your teammates and just doing well for them. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you: Was there anything like in your consciousness where you were like, "I need to be more strategic"? let me implement this strategy in order for me to get to my goals. Um, so I'll give you an example. Yeah. Right? So I'm now working in a corporate. Yes. I know if I want to get to high levels at this corporate, I have to be very strategic. So uh, a great book that I read is uh, The Art of War by Sun yes. Tzu. Mm. Is that something like that you would have 
red or is there something similar? Um, not really. Um, I think, you know, as, uh, I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it. You tried it? I tried it. It's, it's just not for me. Okay. Um, but Odo loves reading. Yeah. Uh, good for him. Because he relate, <laughs> relay the message. Like yeah, so I just phone him and say, okay, what does it say? <laughs> um, I, think, I think, you know, for, for players, um, you, like I said, you just need to, you know, just focus on what you can do. Yeah. Um, because obviously you get selected for playing. Sorry for playing well, and what you can do is to make sure that you, you know, be on time, be at trainings, um, put in the extra work, mm -hmm. um, just all the basics that you need to do to perform well. Yeah, um, and there's nothing more that you can do because obviously, um, like I said, once you start, you know, talking to the media or you know, talking behind, um, you know, with a group of players. Sometimes it finds a way to get out, mm -hmm. um, and you know that could cause a bit of division amongst the team as well. Yes. And unfortunately, in our sport, you need to be a team to actually perform well. Mm -hmm. um, you can't, you can't just you know have a, a click there and a click there because then on the field when it gets tough, that's mm -hmm. when you need your teammates. Yes. Um, so you need to try and be smart about it. Um, and once, once maybe the dust has settled, then can find a way to mm -hmm. go and speak, speak to the re relevant people um, and address the issues that you might you know foresee um, instead of um, you know trying to I don't know um, talk to the media yeah. uh, because you know how the media can get yeah. sometimes yeah. It can, can get, twist your words can twist your words um, and it could be uh, it could backfire yeah. so mm -hmm. we have to be very smart about it yeah and Akona, um, you've won a, a World Cup, obviously, and I think with a World Cup, I once heard them saying that with Jake White, for example, he planned the World Cup for about four years. Yeah. It wasn't during that specific year. Mm -hmm. It was a four-year process. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that can actually ruin a team dynamic, and how do you, how do you adapt to change? For example, you wanna, you've been with a coach for four years. Mm -hmm. You've had this major success. He leaves, for example. New coach comes in with a new philosophy mm -hmm. that you may not like, mm -hmm. and then issues start to, to, to happen within the team that, that affect team dynamics. Yeah. So how do you adapt to change and what are some of the things that can hinder team dynamic? I think, I think if you look at um, South Africa and New Zealand, um, the way that, I'll start with New Zealand, how their structures work is, you know, all their franchises have the same style of play, mm -hmm. um, same coaching style, um, so that when you play for the Crusaders, when you get to the senior, I mean, national side, you still play the same way, yeah. Um, which might be tricky for them, you know, to adjust to a new coach, different style. But for us in SA, we all play differently. Uh, the Bulls play a certain way, the Sharks and the Lions. Yeah. So you're able to adapt because you used to, you know, playing for the Bulls and then going to the to the Springboks. Um, and and and, you know, to go back to you know planning for the World Cup uh, when, you know. Coaches get get hired for four years. Yeah. You know, they get hired for a four-year cycle. Um, and they plan for the next four years. They know that, okay, this is going to be my squad for the next four years. Um, these are the players that I'm targeting. Um, and these are the players I'm going to work So So basically, when Jake took over um, in 204, that's what he had planned. Yeah. Um, to go to 207 with this type of uh, group and this type of players. And... You know, I remember, I think it was 206, you know, the, we were not doing well as a, as a team and we were losing games and obviously the pressure of playing for the Springboks is, is huge and when you don't win games, then, you know, the crowd are not happy, the side is not happy, the stakeholders are not happy. So, you know, there were talks about him getting fired mm -hmm. and obviously that affects the players. Mm -hmm. but. I think because you have sort of like senior players in the team um, that are able to, you know, bring everyone together and just sit down as players, yeah. and then we can talk about stuff like that and, you know, try and find a way where it doesn't affect us as players because, obviously, once you start hearing about your coach maybe being fired, it does affect you mentally because now, how do you approach the game? Is this mm -hmm. guy going to be here next week or is he not? Mm -hmm. um, but I think. Because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, there were senior players amongst the group and 
um, and we're all professionals and we love the sport and we, you know, playing for the Springboks is something special, you know, you, you can't take it for granted. Um, and, and you're not just playing for yourself, you're playing for the country. So, so it becomes bigger than that, bigger mm -hmm. than you as well. So um, you're able to just, you know, put your big boy pants on and then, you know, just carry on and keep fighting. That's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want to talk to you about something that uh, we that sounds very scary. <laughs> 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 sounds like my wife can you talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So me and Tito, I know you watch our podcast all the time, so you'll know about. I haven't this. missed the episode. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, but um, we talk about this all the time. So, so me and Tito, we're very like-minded in the way that we are. We consider ourselves high performance in that we push ourselves and many different aspects of life, whether it's business, whether it's uh, you know, creating content here, we like to push ourselves to achieve better. Um, but we still feel like we wouldn't exactly call ourselves high performance people. We are just on the journey of being high performance, if you get what I'm saying. Now obviously... Why, why can't you call yourself that? I think because uh, what we lack is things that we have, big things that we've achieved. We're still working on that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, because I think anyone can just say they're high performance, but yes. if you've achieved nothing, then yes. you're not really high performance at all, right? Now, you have achieved major things in your lives, right? Um, obviously, you've made it to the highest level of rugby. You've won a World Cup. Uh, you played for the Bulls. I don't know. Are we going to call that high, high performance? Of course. That's high Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> But um, but what is it like that drives you? What do you make meaningful that drives you to be a high performance person, and not just athlete person? Sure. Um, I think it, it starts from how I was raised. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we grew up in Umtata, and if you grow up in a place where you don't have a lot of things um, and you get to see greater things in life, better things in life. Um, I think that's a drive on its own. Um, and, and you know, just looking back at how my dad raised us as his kids, um, you know, the amount of time he would wake us up in the morning to go work in the garden. Um, and as a boy, you just want to play. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to go out and work mm. early hours of the morning. Yeah. You know, and I think it was him, you know, teaching us discipline, work ethic, um, discipline. And, you know, the now when you get to a point where you're playing for the Bulls, for example, you know, um, and you're playing with guys that have 50 caps for screen box, um now you wanna get to that level. Um, and I think for me, when you look around your change room, um, because it's, it's, it starts you know, during off season, for example, for me. Um, the amount of work that we put in, you know, the fitness, the hours of training um, that we put in, that's where we actually get, we become tight as a unit, mm -hmm. because it's tough, you know, it's not easy. Um, when you have to finish, you know, that last hundred meters and your legs are just tired, they can't carry. And then, you know, you look around, you see the guy's face struggling, but he's pushing. And you also want to push because you don't want to let him down. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so all those combinations come together and, you know, um, come the weekend and then you run out at Lofton's Pet Stadium um, you know, you know you've done all the work. The only thing left now for you is to just go and perform. Um, and, you know, I think it comes as second nature because you've done all the hard work behind the scenes. Now it's just about just delivering. Um, mm. You don't think about it. Um, it just happens. And, and I think once you've tasted that success, you know, you want to achieve more. Like, for example, we won the Super Rugby in 207. Um, and it's a good year for you, eh? It was a very good <laughs> yeah. year. It was a brilliant year. Solid One year. year, you know, that is there in yeah. my 
memory bank. Um, and 208, we had a horrible season. You know, we lost a couple of players, um, and it was bad. And, you know, we sat down with players and we spoke about it. And, like, you know, we can't be champions and not even make the playoffs, you know? That's how bad it was. And we sat down and we said, okay, we know what it takes to actually go out and win this tournament. 209, you know, work worked as hard as we did, if not, if not better. Um, had a, a good game plan, we had good players, we had a nice understanding amongst the players. And, you know, we, we were able then to play at home at Loftus and to actually win the tournament again. And and I think for, for, for us, it was now, okay, now we've won it for the second time. Let's see if we can defend it. Because I think, I think also you try and compare yourself to your colleagues. You know, if you look at the Crusaders in New Zealand, I think they had won the tournament eight or seven times. And then, so they set the benchmark for us. Yeah. So you try and chase that and try and beat that uh, record. Then uh, we're able to, you know, play 2010 final and then we won the Super Rugby again. So, so I think, you know, as, a, as an athlete, if you keep chasing um, your target and, and, and it never stops, you know. And I remember listening to the radio one day saying, there was a guy that says, you know, once you get to the top of the mountain, that is, that is still the bottom of the mountain for someone else. Mm -hmm. So you must keep pushing, mm -hmm. you know, for higher yes. standards. So, so I think that's what it, it was about. And I think, you know, like I said, once you taste that success, you just want more of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes great players um, to just try and do more. Yeah. And, and what would you say are some of the, the coping mechanisms that you used to use then and even now? as a high performer um, just to keep your mind at ease because I'm sure it's a, a tiring process because sometimes you're putting in 100% but no results are coming from it and you, you have to continue being um, consistent in what you're doing. So what coping mechanisms did you use? Um, because I heard Dan Carter actually saying that he thinks about the process more than the outcome. Yeah. So he's process like orientated and he, wor he worries about the outcome later. So yeah. are there any techniques yeah, you, I agree with him that you have to. Um, but I think for me, patience um, mm -hmm. is key. Uh, like you said, you know, you put in the work and then you don't see the results, you know. But if you just keep at it, trust the process, um, then eventually you'll see the results. And, um, and uh, for me, I'm a firm believer in, you know, hard work. Nothing beats that. Mm -hmm. um, and once you have trust around you, once you have people that back you, you know, it makes your life 10% easier because you know that if I do well, you know, then I get selected. If mm -hmm. I do this part, then I'll, I'll be able to help my team to achieve this, uh, this goal. So, so I think it's important to understand what you want to achieve. Obviously, mm -hmm. you set yourself goals before the start of the season, mm -hmm. personally and for the team. Um, and once, once you achieve those personal goals, then it goes hand in hand with what the team requires. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, there were times where I would compete with my uh, other wing on the other side, like, okay, I'm going to score two tries today. And then he says, I'm going to go for three. Mm. You know, it's nice, healthy competition in that because yeah. it pushes us. Because sometimes you get players that become selfish. It's like, okay, I'm going to score two tries. But it's not about you at the end, it's about the team. But our competition was very healthy that, you know, we try and push each other because mm. I felt that that is us helping us to get better. Mm. That's the only way. Um, like I said, if you set yourself for two tries, okay. once you get that, you push for three, you know, if there's still time. Okay. Yeah. So I've got two questions, right? The, f the first one, well, I've got many questions. <laughs> yeah. <on the> podcast, <laughs> actually. So, but the first question is, um, you had something... Maybe we'll discuss if it's an advantage or not an advantage. But you had something that no other player in rugby history has had. <coughs> and that is, you had a brother who was doing the same thing you were doing at the same level. You guys even look the same. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like in terms of the conversations you were having throughout your career? I think... It was, first of all, a huge blessing for mm -hmm. our family. Um, and I think purely because 
you know, you don't get a lot of uh, brothers playing at that level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do get a few, like the Duplessis brothers, um, the Ebersone brothers. So there's a couple of brothers that have played even in New Zealand. Um, but I think twin brothers, it's quite rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to play for the best teams, the Bulls and the Sharks, and obviously this, the box as well, um, big blessing. And, you know, the conversations when, while we were still playing was quite interesting. Um, because I think, you know, coming from the Eastern Cape, we are all Sharks supporters um, mm-hmm. because they're closer on that side. And there were times where I think back in the days they used to play in this London. So obviously as a boy, when you, once you see a senior side playing in front of you, I think that's the team that you sort of support. Um, and for me, it never crossed my mind that I would actually come and play for the Bulls. Um, because obviously, if you look at the Bulls, the way that historically they are, you know, with Nas Porter and Afrikaans, <laughs> and just how they played, um, you never think that the black boy from Mtata would come and play for them. But it's just, that's how life is. Sometimes you don't know where you're going to end up. Um, but, you know, we had really good conversations. And I think for me, uh, it was nice because I think I won more trophies than we did uh, <laughs> at the Bulls. Um, so, and and I think, you know, when we had, like, dinners um, at, at after the game, mm-hmm. um, you know, my parents, you know, wouldn't know to support, obviously have to try and stay neutral. Um, but I think, you know, it was just uh, a great blessing and, um, yeah, it was beautiful to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. You guys uh, have some sort of rivalry, some uh, friendly rivalry, brotherly uh, rivalry. Actually, we did. Um and, 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 you know, it's like in the backyard where you, the brothers are playing. And now you're playing, at the, playing for the Bulls in the Curry Cup against the Sharks. And obviously you want to hit him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think when we started playing, you know, I enjoyed hitting him and you know, <laughs> trying to run around him. But I think the older you get, um, you try and pull back a little bit. But still, mm-hmm. you know, not hit him as as hard as you used to mm. um, and you know sometimes when I see one of my teammates hitting him hard you know yeah. like hey, okay, slow down and I think it's purely because of you know that brotherly love and I think the, the older you become you become a bit softer than you are yeah. when young um, and but it was still enjoyable um, you know so yeah I know it was fun I enjoyed playing against him um, and I'm sure he did as well. Yeah. yeah. That's not what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a music. That's why. Ah, there we go. Uh, you've spoken about um, mentorship and your father's role in, in, in raising you guys. So do you think having a brother that's doing the same thing as you helps in terms of having an accountability partner? Because, of course, you can have the, the mentorship and support from your parents, I guess, and other family members. But having someone who's actually doing the same thing as you, I think you're able to align your, your goals and, and your vision for whatever it is that you're chasing. So do you think that helps in terms of accountability and always reminding you what's important, yeah. what you're striving for? Yeah, did that does. help in any way? It does, and it did. Um, you know, and there will be times where, you know, I'll be not playing um, and I watch him play um, and try and, you know, see what he does see if I can maybe do it better or try and, you know, use that, um, you know, skill that he picked up or that he's using. So it, I think I think it played a role. Um, and and also, you know, as a sportsman, you go through tough times, you go through challenges, injury, loss of form, not getting selected. Um, and I remember when there was a time where I think, you know, he was not being picked for whatever reason and he went to go play club. Um, and you can imagine from playing for the Sharks uh, at the Kings Park Stadium, um, 20, 50,000 fans, and you go play for club with like 1,000 mm. fans. So it's sort of like a, a downgrade. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, just seeing him, you know, putting as much effort playing for his club as he was for the Sharks, mm. you know, it's something that you, you take it and you realize that okay, you're still playing, mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is your job, so you still have to give 120%. Um, and, 
you know, so it did kind of help and it, it, it sort of like brings you back as well because sometimes you can get ahead of yourself and become comfortable and, you know, you're playing every weekend, you're getting selected yeah. and then you actually sometimes don't work as hard as you, you should be um, and then you realize that it could actually just happen to you as well that you get dropped and you will play for clubs. So you have to make sure every weekend you put in your best foot forward and you perform as best as you can. Um, so it did have its uh, advantages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think every 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 male probably wishes they had a twin brother. Yeah. That they got along with and had a healthy yeah. relationship. Did you guys get along all the time? Not all the time. Yeah. Not all the time. Um, <laughs> And, and and as kids, we fought a lot, eh? Yeah, yeah, we fought a lot, and um, and I guess I think for 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 boys growing up, you just sometimes don't understand who's this guy that dressed like you, looks like you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you can't get a present. He has to get something as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the older you get, you get, you get to you know have a brother that's close to you that you can share things with. Um, and you know, for us to like play at this level, um, it's special. And and I think you know, the, the the beauty about it is that you know we played over 100 games for our respective unions, and we also played for the Springboks. You know, so there's no one that, okay, except for me, I got the World Cup. <laughs> but you know, he also played it's the for World rugby Cup. as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he also got a chance to play for the box at the World Cup, but unfortunately, they didn't do as well as uh, as they wanted to. But I think you know, if we look at both our careers, we'll be very happy and mm -hmm. you know with what we achieved. And um, we can't complain and compare and say, okay, you don't have a spoon of cap or anything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, you know. So it's it's actually quite sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, like, and th this is going on to another question, I guess. But um, you and Odwa are incredible men that's what I've like we've known each other for a couple of years now yeah. Yeah, I'm going to shed tears <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you but, but it, it, it's true like you guys are humble thank you with all of your your success and stuff like that where we can still talk and it's like a normal conversation thank um, you but you, I think you guys you can see that you guys are raised right yeah I think that's where it comes from eh? um, you know our dad and my mother um, didn't have much, you know, but they made sure that we got what we needed. Mm. Um, and and my dad, you know, was all about respect and, um, you know, every human being mm -hmm. treat them the same. Yeah. Not not that you the CEO must you know bow down to you or you the car guard. So and I think for me that's that's what life is about, you know, just respect one another and just love one another. Mm. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. do you think that um, today the modern players or the modern athlete, do you think they hold their values in high regard when it comes to whatever goals that they're chasing in terms of sport? Because obviously, like now, for example, you'll see Cristiano Ronaldo, 500 million followers. You're yeah. seeing his lifestyle. You're seeing everything in real time. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we grew up, you'd see the players on the pitch mm -hmm. or in a documentary. Mm -hmm. Or maybe read a newspaper article like you weren't really you didn't see the ins and outs of what they're doing yes. but with us having access to so much to today's athletes i think it creates like a false image yes. of how they got to where they got to yes. it doesn't show the behind the scenes really of yes. how committed and dedicated you have to be to get there yes. and i think if people do fall upon maybe a skill relating to any sport i think these days it's more about how can I build my brand as well? Yes. More than actually loving the sport. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's going to have an impact on the quality of sport in the future? And how do you see how do you see the landscape of sports going with the brand being so important, personal yeah, brand? And and you're so right. Um, I think for now, for most of the players it's all about the brand. Mm -hmm. Um what you can get out of it. Um and for, for example, I'm a big Ronaldo fan, and I, I love the guy. 
um, I don't agree with what he's done mm. before the World Cup um, mm-hmm. during that interview. As a United fan. As a United so. fan, yeah. I don't. I don't think. You know, um, if you if you're not happy, you know, rather leave quietly. Yeah. Um, and you can do post interview once either you finish playing or you're no longer at the club. Yeah. You know. Um, but you know, obviously, he had his own reasons. Um, mm. And and I think you know the problem now is social media. Mm. You know, and and it could be a positive or a negative for most players and. You know, I've seen players now, they always want this now. They always want this now and don't want to work hard. Um, and it can get to their heads. Mm. And the problem now, once it does that, then you don't work as much as you should be. Yeah. Because now you're all about the gram, um, you know, making sure that you have so many followers, making sure that your life on camera is actually good. Mm. But for us, obviously, we didn't have that much camera. Yeah. But we worked as hard, or even more than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you can't compare the times. Yeah. Um, but but I still believe that you know there is a lot of athletes out there that you know still have love for the game and still want to work hard for the game uh, because they understand what it takes mm-hmm. to play at that level. Because if you look at if you look at like the England against SA game, a guy like Kelly Aronson, um, very talented, not big in size. Previously, he wouldn't even make a Springbok side, mm. or even a bull side, yeah. because of his size, but because of the talent that he has um, and the amount of work that he does behind the scenes, yeah. he was able to express and show his talent at Twickenham mm. in front of ninety thousand people. Um, and 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 I think you know, I believe that you know players do need um, you know some some guidance in terms of social media, so that it doesn't get too much for them, because it can get to a point where to them it's just about making sure that I give out a good brand, mm-hmm. you know. And and yes, brand is important. Um, you have to make sure that you look after your brand, but. You still need to make sure that you put in the work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it goes hand in hand. And um, social media is good for its own reasons, um, but I still believe that you know, gotta put it in. Let 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 the main thing stay the main thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and how could how could a situation like that affect you as a player if your teammate went to a journalist, for example, and did a huge mainstream interview, slandering maybe like some of the staff mm-hmm. around like your team and stuff like that how would that affect like team dynamic it, it, it would affect um a, a big time oh, um, damn i was hoping mm. it didn't <laughs> no no it, it, it would um but but sometimes you know I, I think players do um share with their own teammates mm-hmm. before sorry before they go to the media um and just express to them you know their um their plan dissatisfaction and their plans and what they're going to do um, but in this case I don't want to talk about it because I don't know much about it mm. um, but you know if, if for me you know it happened like that I was part of uh, someone at the Bulls just went out and said that you know it doesn't respect the coach yeah uh, the players are this um, you know the Bulls are this obviously you know it, it, it sort of you know puts you back because it's coming from a senior player Mm. But I think, you know, a player's once he's gone, you're able to say it's showing. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. you're saying this, it's showing. It's proven wrong. Mm. Um and you know, Eric Ten Hag wants to, you know, have his own players. He was growing his culture there. He wants um, you know, to, to grow the team and get it back to where it used to be. Yeah. Um so in a way, you know, I think it's it's good for both that it happened. Um but uh, for me I just the way it happened, I just don't agree with. Mm. So, Akona, can I ask you, are you Glazers out? I think it's time for them to go. Yeah, 100%. You heard it here first. Yeah, I think it's Akuna time for them to go. Glazers out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and uh, for me, I always feel that, you know, uh, we had a good time under Sir Alex, mm-hmm. right? And you have to plan, because you know that this guy is 75, he's going to sit down anytime. 
So for me, planning is important. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go through six, seven coaches. Um, and for example, I agree with what Ronaldo said um, about um, the guy that was in charge of the academy somewhere that came to be head coach. Yes. Yeah, um, Ralph Ragnick. Ralph. Yeah. Ralph. You know, like you can't do that. This is a big club. You know, mm-hmm. you need a big coach. I know sometimes, you know, coaches look and see, okay, no, I don't want to touch this club. Yeah. But you do have to, you know, set out a plan, um, you know, plan ahead so that you don't find yourself in a situation where, you know, you are losing at home to, you know, yeah. to lower clubs. Mm-hmm. Because now, you know, um, Old Trafford used to be a place where teams used to fear going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now clubs don't fear going to Old Trafford because they know that you know, yeah. they can get a win there. Yeah. yeah. Like your other team, Brentford. Exactly. Brentford, your team. Yeah, Brentford is a good team. If you go to social media, you see people. Hollywood Bets, you know, it's their main sponsor. Oh, okay. And, you know, they're doing well. Yeah. They're causing some nice waves there. Yeah. Let me ask you both a question, right? Because there was a statement that came out, I think, last week after Ronaldo's interview that. Manchester United is for sale, right? Yes. Mm. Currently, there's rumors going around. A lot of potential buyers are are all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get their bids in, right? Yeah. So, do you guys think it's important the type of owner that comes in? Yeah. Or, like, let's say, for example, Manchester City's model, there's a lot of politics around that as well. Are you guys concerned about the type of owner that comes in? Or are you more concerned with winning? Um, I'm or should there be a balance? Okay, so I just want I just want to win the Champions League. That's <laughs> all I want, dude. I hate the fact that Liverpool is winning now, City's winning. Let's just win the Champions League. However, with that being said, dude, we mustn't now go get another American owner. Mm. That's going to rinse and repeat the same stuff that the Glazers have been doing. We can't yeah. do that, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing is, am I okay with getting like some Saudi prince that is sports washing? <laughs> am I okay with it? Am I? Yeah, I'm kind of okay with it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> 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 Let's get pops in this team. Let's get the stadium renovated. Let's go win a Champions League. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm. Let's go, dude. It's been too long. It has. It a has. corner. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I'm more um, make sure that you get um, the right people at the top. Because mm-hmm. for me, that's where it starts. Yeah, you know. Um, because then everything just filters down. Um, then you get those championships yeah. you know, that you want. Yeah. Um, and if, if the money comes from Saudi... Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> so be I don't think there's... Ethically, if we're speaking eth- ethically, I don't think there's any like billionaire that doesn't have some yes. sort of dirty care. fingers exactly. in, in, in one shape or form. If, you, you, know? if you look deep into it, yeah. you, know, you would definitely find some skeletons. But mm. obviously, you know... Um, once you step on people's toes that have money, yeah. yeah, that's when they start coming and say, "Ah, you can't deal with the Saudis and this money yeah. and that money." Yeah, everyone's got their own agenda. That's at that level Correct. as well. Mm. I mean, like if you think about it, the guys who own Newcastle, yes. yeah, are essentially the owners of um, Saudi Aramco, mm. which is essentially what funds Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got like their own media, yeah. you know, if you think yeah, about it, they, yeah. that ownership group of Newcastle has like a media outlet, mm. Contr- mm. like they like can control millions of people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know, you tell me what's more important. Yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny time in sports, eh? Yeah, it's definitely. It's a funny time because like, I don't know if you watch that FIFA documentary on Netflix, no. There's yeah. a whole thing breaking down FIFA it, yeah. sca- like scandals over oh. the years from the very beginning. Oh. And um, you know, you, you, you look at what the World Cup was in the 70s. Yeah. That's nothing like what it is now. Yes. Yeah. Now there's major money billions now. and billions and billions of dollars going into to funding what is essentially a TV show. Yeah. And, and for me, that makes sense because, um, you know, FIFA says they didn't know that uh, there was no alcohol going to be sold in the stadiums. Mm. I'm like, but how is that Yeah, exactly. Because you're the governing body you're supposed to basically... You must (laughs) see those things. Yeah. Okay, no beers in the stadium, then you take it. Or you just ignore that part and say, okay, give it to Qatar. (laughs) So obviously there is something 
Oh. Yeah. Would you say that um, at the Bulls and the Springboks during your time when you guys were very successful, would you say that everything surrounding the team was also world class? Yes. Maybe like from your psychologists, physiotherapists, everything that goes into making an elite team successful? You have to. Hmm. Um, because, you know, I think if you look at most successful teams, hmm. um, it's the people around, you know, the physios, the uh, head doctors, uh, physios, coaches, hmm. um, facilities, because for athletes, you know, you need as much as you can so that you can, you know, be better than the next guy. Yeah. Um, and that makes a huge difference. Um, and and I, I think, you know, the, there were times where some of us, the bull staff, would go to the Crusaders, like I said, um, and see how they do things, go to America, go to, you know, baseball teams there, go to basketball mm. teams, see how they, you know, do their trainings, how they, you know, what their diet is. Um, so all of those components, because you, to be a successful side, you have to, you know, make sure that every corner of the uh, scale is covered. Mm. Um, you can't have one shortfall. And I think that's why we, you know, became successful at the time. Um, yeah. Because of those, you know, every aspect of what we needed was covered. Mm. Yeah. Do you think, not, not to get political, but do you think that's what South African football, for example, is lacking from getting to that level in comparison to rugby or cricket, for example? Do you think it needs an institutional restructure? I think so. Because, um, you know, for me, it also starts, I might be mistaken or I might be wrong, but, you know, for example, we have um, Coca-Cola Week, Craven Week, Grand Como. Mm-hmm. I don't know if soccer has that. I uh, don't think so. I, I don't think it's integrated into schools as much exactly. as the other sports. Mm. And and for me, that's why it's so easy for 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 the Bulls, the Springboks, to select players because there's a great pool of players that you are seeing coming up. Mm. Like for example, Sarri now has a team that is looking after 16, 17 year olds and identifying them already as the future Springboks. Mm. You know, making sure that you know, gym work is done, diet is done, give them the right supplements, yeah. because these are the next guys to come through. Mm. Kenwood Moody is 19 and is playing for the Springboks. Yeah. And we've never seen a 19-year-old playing for Mafana. Mm. And that just shows you. You know, Phil Foden is also at that age and is playing for England. And I think that's where the difference is. Um, you know, if, if, if Safu, Safa, sorry, my bad, Safa, <laughs> can, you know, start investing in school sport, um, school soccer, you know, having tournaments, because then, you know, you won't get Shaba playing for Mafana at 27. Because mm-hmm. for me, I think, yes, it's a good age, but to compete with uh, other countries for the next four, eight years, yeah. it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll compete in 96 and win the African Cup of Nations, and then after that, we can't, because the guys are older, yeah, you know, you can't you know, replicate that success. Exactly. There's no formula, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I think there needs some work to be done there. Yeah, you can start wrapping this up. Yeah, Kona, I just wanna just wanna say something quick. Um, so we met 2018 or something like that, and yeah. um, I was helping you with something on Webfluential. Yes. Uh, because you couldn't get it done by yourself on a Zoom call. You had to be in person. And you, uh, shining your ego, yeah, what's going yeah, on? no, 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 I'm getting <laughs> something, man. Okay, I'm just, all right, okay, I'm just asking. <laughs> so, um, I then quickly became your social media manager mm-hmm. for you and your brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at the time I was building Podzilla, which is another ah, podcasting yes. network yes. that didn't work out, but uh, <laughs> but um, you guys took sorry, a chance, yeah, it's okay, man. <laughs> it happens, we live in real, but you guys, you guys took a chance on me. In 2018 and that was still when I was at the very beginning of my business career mm-hmm. and I was still building a foundation mm-hmm. and I just want to say like how thankful I am for that because like you guys don't even know the impact that you have had on my future and I'm very grateful for that and I'm very grateful for you man wow <laughs> look at you now look at me now <laughs> no no I think I, you know you I think you you're a good person um, and 
that's what we felt when we first met you in person, um, when we had those coffees. Yeah. Um, and the conversations that we had, um, you know, we felt comfortable. And, and I think, you know, it's important to, to, you know, if someone is there and needs an opportunity or a chance, yeah. you know, who are we to close the door on them? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's what we're about. And um, we're firm believers of, um, you know, just extending the hand and making sure that the door behind you is left wide open for the next guy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you're also doing the same. Uh, that you'll find someone that you say, okay, come, there's a wide open door behind me, open, just follow. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I have one more question, just oh, to close this us off. We do this every <laughs> week, we do this every week, right? Okay, okay we can't be different now. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, I think, personally, I think your, your 2007 World Cup winning squad was the best I've seen, okay. right? But who do you think would win a game between the class of 2019 and 2007? In the final. It's tough, eh? If everyone was fit, it's very tough. Because yeah, if, you look if everyone is fit, you can't be playing <laughs> against them now. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> like, for example, like this past team now, Henry Pollard was not there. Mm-hmm. And they oh, played well. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but. So let, let's say the final teams. The final yeah, two teams the are ones that played, the final. Yeah. I think it will be a tough one eh, to call. Um, because if you look at the set of forwards that we had and you look at this team now I think they could match mm. man for man yeah um, because these guys are bowling teams like no other you know you'll find that New Zealand Ireland France because France um, before they played us they were the team that they were bullying other teams yeah and they came to the Springboks and Springboks with seven players could still physically um, take them back and yeah. take them apart. So I think it would be touch and go. Um, even the backs, you know, you've got Luca on your arm, you've got Kedley, I would say, Cheslin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down on this one. <laughs> no, you can't sit down. <laughs> you no, can't. I'll sit down on this quick. You need an answer. <laughs> no, I'll go with 207. Then. Okay, there we go. Uh, thanks so much yeah. for being your man thanks so much Akona. thank you really guys. appreciate it man yeah that's that for this week guys don't forget to like share and subscribe see you guys on the next episode cool ah lovely